Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you're listening to this. We are joined today by a special surprise guest, Ben Chow, a Redcon 1 athlete. Uh, he has a degree in human bioscience? Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and he's also very well known because he, he was kind of your atypical skinny kid, and he's now massive as fuck, although he still doesn't think he is. Um, he's lucky enough to have trained along IFBB pros all over the world, and he's also well known as being fairly up on the use of insulin in bodybuilding. So we're just going to have a look at why someone might use insulin in bodybuilding, what its kind of function and use is, and how someone who's probably an intermediate or an advanced bodybuilder might look to implement that into their programming. And just cover a few myths, do's and don'ts, um, in our usual kind of 30 to 40 minute format. Um, so with that out of the way, we'll start straight off with why would someone use insulin? What, what are we going to try and achieve with insulin in bodybuilding? Well, I'm probably going to address one of the myths first and foremost on insulin. And it's a debate that I've had with the good Mr. Dave Crosland on this one. Because not the same debate. He has some, some opinions on it. And although I see his opinion, so his opinion is um, he doesn't find it very valuable uh, for a number of reasons. But I think what he's alluding to most is the fact that insulin is not by definition anabolic. And I would, I would tend to agree with that black and white definition. It is not anabolic. So where you'll have other compounds, testosterone being the most notable one, is a, is a straight anabolic, i.e. that compound directly triggers genes which build muscle, right? Yeah. Insulin, I don't view as that at all. It's, in fact, it's not that. What insulin does is it indirectly enables an anabolic environment to occur. So insulin is a, is a hormone which the body naturally releases and it increases or improves or enables the transport of nutrients from one place to another, right? Very basically that's, yeah. and if, you, if you're gonna go even more basic, yeah, it is targeted for carbohydrates from the blood to be stored either in the muscle, the liver, Etc. Right. That that's its primary function, primary role. So as bodybuilders, we can use that um, that property that it has to increase our anabolic environment. So we can transport nutrients to the working muscle. Um, again, we, I can go into I'll, I'll go into timing, specific timing on it. But just in terms of its function, that's why a bodybuilder would use it. You can basically all the food and supplements and proteins, carbohydrates, etc. that you're consuming, you're then able to make, to, to direct them more specifically and more efficiently and more quickly to the target area, right? We, Which is the We can make use of more nutrients overall. Right. So if you can transport more nutrients to the muscle cell, in theory, the muscle cell can then make more muscle right can can then repair repair and recovery that's how you get muscle growth right assuming the stimulation through training occurs yeah. recovery is where actually the, the muscle building process happens and I, um, I think the reason dave has that opinion um from my experience and you may agree or disagree with this is dave has naturally always been a bigger guy and i generally find that people have always naturally been bigger for whatever reason, their body is perhaps producing enough insulin, they don't have an issue transporting nutrients into storage. But the guys who, no matter what they do, can't gain weight, 
they're the guys who seem to really have that magical effect for insulin. And I've seen it in when I used to coaching guys, I've seen it in people like yourself. There is a certain body type, normally the guys who are quote unquote hard gainers that yes. benefit from it massively, but only when everything else is maxed out. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a good way. That's probably my next point was to be, if you're one of those guys where you can eat and eat and eat and nothing sticks, yeah, this will make it stick. Whether it's fat or muscle, if you're at a point where you can't gain any weight, regardless of how many calories you eat, to be technical, that would suggest that your pancreas isn't producing enough insulin to transport the nutrients that you're consuming. Right. Yeah. Um, or that your metabolic, your natural metabolic rate is very, very high. Yeah. Um, I, I suggest, I would suggest that you could still out-eat your metabolic rate. I just think a lot of people don't know the difference between a meeting a lot versus I'm eating enough. Yeah, sure. Um, so if, if if you're eating enough and it's not sticking, yeah, then I think the introduction of insulin, once other factors have been utilized and maximized, it would be, I, I honestly would have it as my final piece in the puzzle, the bodybuilding puzzle in terms of compound utilization. Um, that, that and growth hormone, I think uh, that I'm not going to get into that because that's another <laughs> that's thing. Yeah, but but in those two compounds, I think, should be considered quite late in the bodybuilding journey for an individual. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, again, there are a lot of myths, and I see a lot of people misuse insulin. And, and that's my biggest gripe with it. It's I think it's misunderstood and misused. It's a really good way to ruin a physique if you're not the right body type you're using correctly. Yeah. A lot of people... So... I like to add it into a current diet. I don't like to build a diet around insulin, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I use it to supplement what's going in currently. And then as we increase, it can, <clears throat> you, you'll increase the dosage accordingly. But I see what a lot of guys doing is like, oh, I'm going to bulk, I'm going to take insulin. And they ram their carbs up indiscriminately. Yeah. And it will have the effect of enabling you to eat more, especially if you misuse it, mistime it, it will certainly will help you process food a lot quicker because um, obviously it's going gonna, it's gonna to take you through states of um, lower blood sugar. Even if you're controlling it well, it's going to bring you back down to a state of ready to eat again more quicker. quicker than you would normally, right? I mean, that's why you're using GDAs. GDAs, I think, would be a better starting point. An initial tool. So I guess because we're aiming this at people who maybe haven't used insulin before, the first thing to cover, I guess, is, um, not the first thing to cover, but the thing to cover now is how dangerous is it? Because it's one of the few things that if you fuck it up, can cause you real problems. Right. So, yeah, this is another thing. So there's a taboo around steroids, right? There's a taboo around the bodybuilding compounds that we use. And whilst, and I know that Strom in particular are very health conscious and you, you run your blood um, testing weekends, etc. Yeah. It's a long steroids and testosterone, etc., are long-term damaging factors. Yeah. Insulin, insulin can be highly dangerous within minutes. Yeah. And this is the point that uh, it's the bit where I, I'm on a, I sit on the fence with it because I, I think it's not dangerous per se, the misuse of it can be dangerous. If, yeah. if, if you overdose on D-Bol, even massively, 
it's not going to kill you. If you overdose on slim, potentially it could. You'd have to get it really wrong and, and probably be illiterate, but that potential is there. Yeah, um, and then the body is very good at highlighting, hey, you fucked up, yeah. right? You, when you start going hypo, you know. There, there, are, there are some symptoms that kick in. Uh, anyone that's listened to this that has experienced it knows exactly what I'm talking about. Your mouth starts to go kind of watery. You start getting jittery, almost like you've pounded 20 Red Bulls. Right? You get that like jittery yeah. feeling and you start sweating profusely. And I mean like you're sitting in a sauna sweating. It, the only way, if you're awake, the only way to really fuck that up is to ignore that. Yeah. Um, and you'll find that whilst those symptoms are happening, you become highly, highly ravenous and you want to eat everything and everything inside. So then this is where I think it's, uh, okay, I'll, I'll tell you what I did because I'm quite experimental and I like to think I know what I'm doing. I tested how little carbohydrates it would take to pull me out of a hypoglycemic yeah. state. And I started, so I sat, I had food in front of me, pinned, measured my blood glucose, waited, didn't eat anything, waited, 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 had the onset, and I had 50 grams of carbohydrates, and that worked a charm. Within, yeah. I had like a lucid and I think like a rice crispy, a cereal bar, whatever it was. It worked very well. So the next day I thought, okay, well, that worked enough. What's the next stage? I need less. So I, I reduced it down. Basically, I got down to the point where it was around 20 to 25 grams of carbohydrates pulled me out of a, a pretty severe hypo. Yeah. Well, what I see is when guys do administer insulin and they do mess it up and they get it wrong, they're not sticking to 25 grams of carbohydrates to pull them out. You know, you I mean, you can even use one scoop of um, like cyclic destrin yeah. and that, that is enough to increase blood sugar. And the, the thing with cyclic destrin is it's not going to initiate pancreas release of your yeah. own insulin. So you, you're just going to directly fuel the insulin that's kicking around, right? The, yeah. So, insulin. yeah, so I think it's... There's a ways that people can fuck up that I've seen and one of the, the one of the most obvious ones is just not understanding the compound you're using so insulin's measured in IUs you get an insulin pin um, and for people who haven't seen one before they'll normally be marked 1 to 10 going up or sorry 10 to 100 um, but they contain 1 mil and that 1 mil is 100 IUs of insulin but I've seen people think that the 100 at the top is 10 IUs because it looks like a small amount and shoot 100 IU instead of 10 that's the main way I think you could fuck up but that'd be a real severe fuck up. And really, you, you'd have to have really misunderstood what's going on to do that. But I have heard of that happening. If you, I mean, that, that is still manageable. I mean, not ideal for anyone. Not ideal. Gonna have a bad time. You can certainly correct that. You just have to make sure you've got the right types of foods near you. And you, I mean, if you have been to that amount of insulin, like I could say the body is a phenomenal survival machine. Yeah. And it will allow you to consume the food you need to correct that imbalance, right? That, but what I see is a lot of people misusing, they'll either overdo the insulin or they'll overdo the carbs or both, right? And then the aftermath of that is, that, is they accrue a lot of fat with it. 
And then well, when I down, there's not a lot of tissue left because I've had to diet so aggressively, perhaps. Right. And and, I, and again, this is where Dave was made his point because when we had the Brutal Muscle website, he did a forum on Instant. And, uh, and that's where I saw some of his points come across where he was saying a lot of the weight gain is going to come off. Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of that weight gain does have to come off if you're misusing insulin. Again, if you're putting on 30, 40 pounds within a month, it's not going to be muscle tissue. Yeah, let's be realistic. A lot of that's going to come off. You know, that's why everyone loves D-Bowl because it throws some quick scale weight on. Yeah. It's not usable weight that you're going to have on stage if you're bodybuilding, right? So, and again, I don't think insulin is something that you should be messing around with unless you're competing. Yeah. So competitive bodybuilders, people who have traditionally always struggled to gain weight are the, the body type that it suits, perhaps. Yeah. Um... And are you a proponent primarily of just fast-acting insulin around feeding times? Is that the way you normally would go with people who are new to it? Yeah, for sure, for people that are new to it. Um, I have several different stages, depending on how advanced someone is that I work with, if I'm, if I'm coaching them. But I think your basic day one of insulin that you could get away with using or, or do well with using for a very long time is just a pre-workout small dose of insulin. Yeah. Um, I think that a lot of people would never need to venture further than that with it. Um, it's very effective in what it does. I remember when I was running my insulin experiment and I, I, I was pub posting it publicly about what I was doing, right? When I, this is 2018, I think, right yeah, before we yeah, right, right, right before we did Body Power with you. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I was running a very extensive insulin protocol. Right. Extensive everything protocol from memory. I was using, yeah, I sent you the whole thing, right? I was using Lantus twice a day and then Humalog, so fast acting insulin. Yeah, I remember, yeah. Yeah, I was running that with every meal except my last meal. But I was, I was gaining good quality size. My weight wasn't flying up, but I was filling out and getting bigger and harder without gaining much fat at all. Yeah. One of the things I was doing, I think if you're just going to take the broad approach to this, so just some generic advice for instant use, I would stick to a small amount pre-workout with low fats, dietary yeah. fats. Yeah. I think those two things will enable you to control your physique with with using insulin, if that makes sense. And that there's no reason, in my opinion, for people to be gaining massively more fat on insulin than they would without it. You know, no. if you start using insulin, you suddenly start gaining pounds and pounds of fat, you're probably doing it wrong. Yeah, and this is what I mean. I, I was talking to someone the other day He's a type one diabetic. He actually has a a pad that inserts. It has a. It's basically like a. It looks like a nicotine patch, right? Yeah. It has a little, has a little needle on it, and it gives him in real time readings of his blood glucose. Yeah. I was saying long term. Obviously, I'm wearing a Fitbit. You can't see this, but I'm wearing yeah. a Fitbit. I think long term, a great thing that we could utilize in bodybuilding is having real time blood glucose readings. Yeah. It's sent if you could manage your blood glucose on an hour-by-hour -hour basis, 
you could feed the body without gaining fat. If you were in the optimal range. If you were to control it within, I don't know, say four, um, 5.9, if you sit in that range throughout the day, there is no reason why your body should really accumulate excessive amounts of body fat. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, that's, that's at the really analytical far end of the spectrum. But if you take that principle... Yeah, people love overcomplicating shit, though. So, you know, ideal. But, but essentially, you could... That's why, I, I, for the most people, I'm like, stick to small doses pre-workout. Yeah. I'm a big proponent of taking intra-workout carbs anyway. So you shouldn't need... A lot of people add fats to the pre-workout meal to sustain blood glucose levels. Yeah. I think you should be sustaining blood glucose levels with carbohydrates into workout, right? Everybody I've seen do insulin successfully has run a very low, uh, sorry, a very low fat diet. Yes. Um, consistently. I, I, what people are saying, calories are calorie, macros are macro. You won't find a clinical study done on people running insulin and steroids in a bulking phase. So you can't talk about studies it, like people talk about fasted cardio, all the studies say, well, there aren't studies on people running your himbian and growth hormone before they do a fasted cardio session. So it's not always directly relevant. Um, and I think that's a really good example of a situation where experience is perhaps more important. Yes, and I've used both. I've tried both ways. And I've tried using it on um, days where I was in excessive calories, indiscriminate, be it fat or carbohydrates, and I just used insulin yeah. to to shuttle more food in, right? To just shove more food in on a, and that was during a prep. Yeah. I was, I was doing like a skip load on a Sunday. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. It works, but I do find that if you're, I, again, I'm of the body type. That's a very, I'm an ectomorph, however you want to describe it. Yeah. I'm, I can get away with it. When I was training with Luke um, Sando, obviously a lot of people will know who he is. He never touched insulin. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, okay, that's a lie. He did touch it, but nowhere near, I mean, I was a far heavier user of insulin because it worked with my physique. And Luke was one of those body types that he'd look at a calf machine and grow traps, right? One of those body types that's a natural beef titan. Yes. And, and for those types, I mean, I was backstage at the Olympia last year and I spoke to four or five guys and none of them had ever used insulin. Yeah, because they're all genetically gifted. Yeah, and they, so they, they've never used insulin because they've never needed to use insulin. Yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's where some people will misuse it because they don't have the right body type. I know I did a, a workshop, an insulin workshop, and I turned down... I turned down more people than I accepted for that because they either weren't lean enough to start with... Yeah. I, think, I do think that's important as well. I no, think if you're, if you're a partitioning, right, managing insulin sensitivity. I, again, I don't want to go too down rabbit holes here, yeah. but managing insulin sensitivity is a giant part of when I administer and utilize insulin, be it on myself or with clients. It's something that I make sure we keep an eye on. Right. Yeah, I mean, so just, let's say you're, you're not going to get drastically leaner when you're running insulin. It's very unlikely. So you don't want to start in a shit position for that. Yes, absolutely. My, the best case scenario is your body composition stays the same yeah. whilst you run a six to 10 week insulin phase, right? Maintaining body fat, I'm, I, I would say that's a perfect scenario, but you maybe gain four or five pounds. Yeah. 
with the same body composition. That's entirely possible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you've got to remember some of that four or five pounds is going to be improved glycogen retention, right? That fullness that you get. Then this is where Dave and I again had a debate because Dave said to me, well, no, insulin's going to cause you to store more glycogen, so it's all just illusion. I'm like, this is bodybuilding. It's all an illusion. I've said the same thing to Dave. Like, me and Dave agree on a lot of things, but he says, oh, well, as soon as you take the insulin away, the size goes. As soon as you take the steroids away, the size goes. As soon as you take the food away, as soon as you take the training away. Um, you know, like I bless him. He's getting old now. I did that, uh, I don't know if you remember, so I pulled out of a prep last year before Luke's Arnold. Yeah. Um, just for a number of different reasons, but bottom line was I wasn't able to be a good enough training partner to him and prep myself. Yeah. So we decided it was more valuable for me to to help him than help myself. Yeah. Well, in doing that, I also contacted Milos and said, hey, I'm going to do a photo shoot. I'm, I was about eight weeks out, seven weeks out when I pulled out. So I was in okay shape, but I was nowhere near stage condition and I said to Milos um hey give me a give me a prep like a photo shoot three day carb up so he had me deplete for 10 days then we deplete for 10 days and then we did a three I think did I send you this as well the aggressive so yeah so obviously it was honey featuring quite prevalently sorry honey and Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did a similar thing with Will Carver when he, you know, I did a similar peak with him and Lee Stanworth. When, yeah, to peak them for their shows, I did a very similar thing using direct. But the, the, the whole point of doing that was to create an illusion. Yeah. Was to force as much into the muscle as possible without altering body fat. Yeah, yeah. And, and you can do that. And, and I mean, you're your knowledge on how the mechanisms of diuretics, et cetera, work at a very high level. So, and this is why I like it when I see you peak somebody because you don't screw up their water and and where that's going. Again, that's a big part of insulin and water and carbohydrates all work together to draw muscle glycogen. Yeah, like a a muscle glycogen in the muscle is water with carbohydrate, right? You have to have water with the carbohydrate for it to be stored in the muscle. And if you hydrate someone too much, that is not that process isn't able to happen, right? So you can take as much carbohydrates as you want. That, and then the, the next day they post about how good they look. Right, because they added water back in, so now they, the two molecules can combine and be stored in the muscle. And this is what... But again, that's going down rabbit holes, but it, it's to the same point of showing you how the insulin hormone works within the body and to draw those compounds into the muscle. And, and everything that we do, everything we do is to put the foods we eat into the area we want them, in, into the mitochondria, into the muscle cell. That's where we want them working. We don't want them floating around the blood. They're not useful if they're floating around the blood, just kicking around. Yeah. So I think... And again, that's where I see insulin pre-workout with intra-workout carbohydrates. Creating the maximum metabolic environment. Yes, you're just providing the nutrients to 
the place of action. Fundamentally, it's a tool for a job and it has a job. It's just that that's a, a specific use case. Now, I know with this series of podcasts, we've tried to break down complex topics to make them simple. Insulin is one of those things that isn't ever going to be a novice topic. It's not going to be something that everyone will ever need to use. And it's also not something that I'm comfortable. Normally, with we did the first cycles podcast with Dave and said, look, first cycle for most people, 500 mids a test, away you go. Um, with insulin, we're not really in a position to say, right, this is, if you want to try insulin, do this. Um, what I would say is if it's something that you think that you're ready for and you're at that level of development, contact someone like Ben, contact someone who knows what they're doing. Um, they'll tell you whether it's going to be suitable. And um, I, I believe, do you have coaching spaces at the moment? You know, I... I was just having a conversation. I got overwhelmed last month. I mean, it, the gyms opened up here in the US for, for a start and that just tidal wave came in. And I've been flat out the last three weeks. Um, I have probably another, I can allow from eight more this month. Sure. And then I'm going to have to start spacing them out. And it's not because I do have the time in the day. I work from home, we're around all day my quality of work will suffer if I have too many people. You know, I, I don't want to be that person where I'm forgetting to reply. I can't stay on top of what I need to. And I forget what I'm doing with somebody. Yeah. You have to ask the client, oh, what are we doing again? That's always fun. Yeah. And I, I think I'm, I'm able to stay on top of it right now, but if I just accepted everyone that's coming to me, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I have probably eight to 10 throughout June. I can take on, I have a waiting list of UK guys that are lined up ready for when your gyms open up. Because unless I'm just doing that, unless they've got a full, fully equipped home gym, yeah. I don't think I'm that valuable. But what I will say is, yeah, contact me. There's I've worked myself with Milos Sakhev. Um, if you're looking at a, he's a lot more money than I am for obvious reasons. Um, for those of you who don't know who Milos is, because I know we've got a lot of newer listeners, Milos is um, fucking massive, uh, and he's kind of the daddy of insulin in bodybuilding, certainly publicly speaking about it anyway. He's not fucking massive anymore. He's fucking old now. Well, he was fucking massive, I should say. Sorry. I can say this because I'm friends with him. Sorry. <laughs> I can get away with giving him shit. But Milos is very clued up. He's very aggressive with it. Um, so I think if you're on the edge of becoming a pro and that's something that you want to go down Milos is a good person to work with um, I think I've worked myself with Phil Viz yeah Phil Viz again I'm good friends with Phil it's very intense I know Phil's slightly controversial from time to time but I, I quite like the way Phil works from what I've seen with other people and so on. can be yeah Phil's very passionate very intense um, he has a certain demeanor about him which if you just some of his stuff online can be, and I've told him this again, he he actually sends me screenshots of things he's thinking of posting and tells me whether, <laughs> it, whether it's acceptable or not. He says, is this okay or are people going to think I'm a dick? And I tell him straight, don't post that because people are going to read it wrong. You've got to ask. Probably, probably not worth posting. Yeah. But Phil's a very, very, very good coach. That's why I allowed him to oversee my prep for the Arnold. Yeah. Um, again, I think he's... Probably, it's not something you just want to go to that guy at your gym that does coaching to speak to about. No, I would say Milos, Phil are extremely advanced. Myself, um, I think I have a good balance between 
like a beginner, novice, taking people into a pro rank. Yeah. Um, and then outside of that, I can't speak on who I've worked with personally. Um, obviously, I know Jordan Peters, he doesn't need me to sing yeah. his praises. He doesn't need me to sing his praises, but obviously the guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, you, I don't know whether you coach anyone anymore, but I know that you know. I don't get time. I do the, I, I do the business thing these days, apparently. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're, you, you do know what you're talking about. So um, I mean, everyone I've seen, everyone I've seen you, I, I think actually you're, and again, I'm not trying to kiss your ass here. I think your ability comes into peaking people. I think you do it very well. I do my best, yeah. Um, it's, again, like everything, I think people overcomplicate it a lot of the time. Yeah. I think people are looking for something that's maybe not there. I think you've said it before, you know, if you're, if you're lean enough, you shouldn't really be able to fuck that up unless you piss about. And if you're not lean enough, you can't fix it with magic. I see a lot of people misusing compounds that are pharmaceutically designed and they try to outthink them. Yeah. Their mechanism of action works in a specific way. They were designed that way in a lab. I'm talking more like diuretics, right? Yeah. And we'll try to take a diuretic and restrict water, which to me is just nonsensical. I don't understand. Take a diuretic, restrict water, and then take some insulin to shut all those carbohydrates into muscles, but you've got no water to do it. And and then wonder why you cramp everywhere and, and look great the two days later, yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of the time, well, you've got guys, you know, two, three weeks out, they look fucking sick. You're like, right, great, so just do that. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe take half a diazide. Maybe yeah. have a few extra carbs. If you're doing a fancy carb-up diuretic protocol, I'd probably suggest that the last 14, 16 weeks haven't been ideal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's not to say it doesn't work. You know, there are times when it works really, really spectacularly. It's just that you can't guarantee that. I think, was it the British when James won his pro card? That's the one I competed against him at. I had yeah. no business being on that stage, but... Well, yeah. but you had trouble with your peak that time, didn't you? Oh, and it was yeah. a new protocol that you, it was somewhat convoluted from what I remember. Uh, no, I was working with Skip at that point. So um, this protocol. And yeah, we end up loading... I tell, you, I tell you what happened with that one, if you want the details on that. My scale was broke, and we were using scale weight rather than... or We were using both scales and pitches through the entire prep. Scale, scales, pitches, scales, pitches, scale, pitches, going back and forth. And then as we got closer, it became more about scale weight than it was the pitches. And on the when I was on stage on Saturday. On the Tuesday, my scales broke. Right, and they read me in at ten pounds lighter than I should have been. So, but I sent pictures with it. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here, but this is my weight anyway. And then I gave me a huge refeed on Wednesday. Yes, scales read lighter still. So we went again, and, that, and that's, so that's what I'm saying. And I'm not bagging on Skip because afterwards he apologised. We we just messed up, you know. I should have went and said, "Hey, I need to get new scales." But this is where I think you need to look at the whole picture, literally and figuratively, um, rather than just using one method of measurement. Because it, we went purely off of what the scales said, or supposedly said, and were dictating diet based off that rather than the look. Yeah. So I ended up spilling over about three days early, yeah. and, and we couldn't pull it back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you didn't look as bad as you thought you did, but I know you weren't happy with it. So this way, I was 248 
the night before the show. Yeah. And I was 2.31 the morning of the show. Right. Because we just took every diuretic I could get my hands on. Yeah. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Okay, this, <laughs> um, this was, like insulin, they can fuck you up. Um, so I guess the conclusion is, if you are thinking of using insulin, you've got to really be honest with yourself and ask if you're the type of person that it's it's going to suit. I would always advise that you get help or advice with it. It's not something that people should just have a go at on their own. There are lots and lots of good people out there that can help you. There's lots of good coaches in the UK. There's lots of good stateside coaches. Um, Hopefully we've given you a bit of an overview as to why people use it, because I know there's some people who have just asked why, what, what's it for? Um, and um, if people are interested in, in peaking methods and, and prep and that kind of thing, maybe it's something we can pick up again um, when there are shows happening, which will be fuck knows when. Yeah. Um, so if you are wanting to uh, give Ben a look, uh, it's Ben Chow on Instagram, I'm pretty sure... Everyone who follows me will already follow Ben, but if you want to check him out, that's where he's at. Have you got a website these days? No, everything's run through my Instagram. Cool. I think websites are old school now, aren't they? I'm, yeah. I'm down with the kids. It's all Instagram. You're still, still old like me, Ben. There's no getting away from it. Um, so thank you very much, and we will catch you again next time where we are speaking to... Who are we speaking to? We're speaking to Dr. Christopher Matthews, um, PhD in sociology, looking at the reasons why we do the stupid fucking things that we do. Thank you very much, Ben. Welcome. Thank you.